0: Stolen. Nothing personal. Word of the day. It is Monday, April 4th. Hope everyone had a great weekend. The word of the day is stolen as in money. Money has been stolen by good old Danny Snyder and the Washington Red Commanders. We told you late last week that there was a story that was coming out that could have been bad if it fell a certain way where the congressional investigation into the workplace harassment and the workplace misconduct that they had found some financial improprieties and we couldn't speculate as to what that could be because it never would have occurred to me that what came out as a rumor this weekend could be true but when there's smoke there's fire especially when Danny and Tanya are running the show and here's what people are saying and it's almost impossible to believe But if true, game over. In the National Football League, there's a type of revenue sharing, a little different than in Major League Baseball where you pull together all of your local revenue, which is tickets and it's food and it's beverages and it's parking and concessions, everything, including your broadcast deal, it all goes into a pile and then it gets split certain ways with teams. In football, there is a sharing arrangement with ticket revenue. So when you go to a home game, let's say you're at MetLife Stadium and you're there to watch your Giants play the Jets, but the Giants are actually the home team and the Jets are the road team, 40% of ticket revenue goes into a pool and that pool gets split by all teams in the NFL. So every home team has a obligation, gets audited, where ticket revenue is the tickets that are sold times the amount that the tickets are sold for. So you don't look at whether or not it's a sellout. You don't look at the capacity of a stadium to figure that out because there are comp tickets. You, 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 you look at the average ticket price. That's always a good way to figure out what ticket revenue is. But there are people whose job it is is to keep track every game of the box office. The box office used to literally mean when you walk to a ticket office, walk to the box office, buy a ticket, give them cash, give them a credit card, and you've got people manning the windows. Then you've got supervisors behind them, supervisors behind them. And then at the end of the day, think about in the real old days when you walked into a club to see a band, you'd put cash and it would be in a little lockbox at the end of the day. People who own the club open the lockbox, they pay out the bartender, they pay out the band, they pay out the doorman, and then whatever's left, that's their money that can go to the other overhead, like utilities. That's sort of the crudest way of box office. So the uncrude way, which is because of technology, is that everything has become online and electronic. When Marlins Park was built, We cut down the number of ticket windows tremendously from what was originally in the design because we thought that there would be not as big a need for a ticket office and we were completely wrong. We could have put in one window, right? One window at most because here we are 10 years later and nobody's getting paper tickets. No one's going to a window. No one's going to a will call. Everything is now delivered electronically to your phone. If you don't have a smartphone, print it out at home and just go right to the ticket taker who doesn't even rip tickets and put them in a box. That was another way of checking for those of you who are a little older, when they'd rip a ticket, they'd put it into a box at every entryway and then those would all be collected. Those would be collected. I just knocked everything off the desk, Coca. Those would, by gesticulating so much with my hands, I knocked on over. So those would be collected and then they'd be counted and then you'd add up the money that way. So as president of a team, I would get a report at the end of every day, at the end of every game, and it was called the game log report. It would show me the number of people who were actually in the stands. It would show me the number of tickets that were actually sold, not the number of people we announced has been there at all. The amount of ticket revenue— it would show me the exact amount of concession revenue by stand, then it would be broken down by food item. So the following stand sold the following number of hot dogs. This stand had the following number of beers, and then we could analyze it and figure out sort of flow of the crowd, who's buying what, where, where people were seated, and what they paid to sit in those seats. And then there are people in the finance department. They are down in the ticket office, watching over everything, Then they go back upstairs to the finance department and they have spreadsheets where they're entering in the amount of money from each game. And then there's another part of the finance department that has the expenses concomitant to the game revenue. Then there's another person who's dealing with allocating all of the revenue and expenses for your season that can be divisible by 81 games or by 162 games like your TV contract. And so we get a a miniature P&L per game, which is a profit and loss statement. And I get it. So I'm looking at it after every game. And then I go on to the next game. And then we have a budget per game of what we think the P&L is going to be. And so then we can look at each game as it relates to budget versus actual. Then we have a series so a weekend series against the cubs you're going to make more than a weekday series against the brewers let's say but we know that in advance because we know our schedule so we're doing the budget and then we have the actual and then the end of the season you go back and you see sort of where you are and then you make your budget for the next season that's how teams are run in football when there are fewer games there's 10 versus 81 it's the same concept and what the Washington Commanders are being accused of is having two sets of books where they underreported the ticket revenue to the NFL. Therefore, they were splitting 40% of a smaller number. So if they got $10 in ticket revenue, they would have to give $4 of it to the league to split. But if you say you've only got $8, then clearly you only have to give $3.20, which means you have saved 80 cents. Now you can't hide that from the government. You're not hiding your revenue. If he's doing that, he committed a crime. And their answer is they were audited, that's true. But what the auditors are looking for is your total revenue and you are signing off. Side note, Coca, just a little quick side note, if you don't mind. When we got audited, every team gets audited every year, and the commanders came out and said that, that they're audited by reputable firms several times, several firms, several times a year, and that's true. Every sports team is because when there's revenue sharing, you need that, and when you pay taxes, which all teams do, or they make it so they don't have to pay taxes, they have to get audited. And as president of the team, my job I had to sign the audits. So the audits are a bunch of a bunch of documents that have numbers on them. And then there are actual statements on the audit that you believe these to be accurate and true. I, David Sampson, believe that. So when I go through the statements and I go through them with the CFO, at some point I'm taking a leap of faith. I'm not actually doing a forensic accounting by myself. I don't log on to our bank account and check the daily balance. I don't go into the ticket office every day and say, hey, show me exactly how many people and let me count them and show me the money. I'm not doing a Cuba Gooding Jr. that way. That is why you surround yourself with people who do that for a living and they surround themselves with people. And that's called an organization. When you're dealing with a company that's large, I mean, think about it. It's completely absurd. Do you think like Jeff Bezos knows whether you got your Amazon package yesterday and whether or not you're going to get refunded and if so, how quickly? No, no chance. So the leap of faith is that you hire good people. So is it possible that there can be fraud somewhere down in the organization that you are not aware of? And I have been very, very clear with you about my view of owners and what they should or should not be aware of and what they could and could not be aware of. If Daniel Snyder wants to see naked pictures of his cheerleaders, no one's going to ask for that other than Daniel Snyder. You don't surprise the owner and say, hey, I thought you may like this. Hey, I was just trying to be nice. I mean, look they're hot, I thought you'd want them to see them naked. No, that's gotta come from the owner directly. On the other hand, if there is a rogue employee who is somehow stealing money at lower levels or selling tickets on a secondary market, which happened with the Marlins and I was not aware of it until it was brought to my attention by investigations that started four levels below me, there there are certain things that you'd have no way of knowing. And then you fire that employee and you make an example of that employee and you move on and you let people know we do it right here. So there are several different possibilities here with Dan and Tanya Snyder if, in fact, there were two sets of books. Do you believe that it's possible that a company can have an entire set of financials that the owner does not know about? The way I worked with Jeffrey Loria, that would be possible. Because Jeffrey Loria hired me and counted on me to take care of the finances. I had a CFO who I counted on to take care of the finances. If my CFO had two sets of books, I'm not convinced that I would know. Would it cause me to resign if it came out? A hundred percent because I should have known. I'm not sure how I should have known as I look back. But I still should have known I'd have to take responsibility. I'd have to take one for the owner and that would be the end of me. But if there exists an entire second set of books that I would have access to, I'm not doing that as a rogue president. The owner is 100% going to be aware of a plan that purposefully hides money from other owners. So if this turns out to be true, Dan Snyder can't blame it on the team president. He can't blame it on his wife. He's going to take responsibility. He's going to have to take responsibility. He rarely takes responsibility. But when he does, the NFL and the owners will say, Roger, it's time. Because all the other things, there are a lot of owners living in a lot of glass houses. You think Robert Kraft is going to vote for Daniel Snyder to lose his team because he likes seeing naked pictures of cheerleaders? Think about that. You can have a very hard time getting owners to be mad at Danny Boy for that. But money? Robert Kraft finds out that Dan Snyder held back money? That's it? Wouldn't it be amazing for Daniel Snyder to be forced to sell his team after all of the bad things he's done that actually matter in terms of the human existence and the human condition and fairness as it relates to women and all of the other sort of interpersonal acts and situations all of that's okay because we're the nfl or we're sports or we're corporate white america but don't you steal a dollar all right coca something happened with the yankees we're going to talk about it you know what i want (laughs) i want to talk to samson so you want to talk to Samson. Get into my Twitter, David P. Sampson. Get in there and ask a question on a topic. I'll try to get to it either on Twitter, back to you in the DMs, or on the show. And it's from a movie called Half-Baked. And on a Monday morning, that's how I feel. Hello, David Samson with no P. That is one really good way to get my attention. Carlos Beltran gave an interview and said the Astros cheated because their front office didn't tell them not to is that how it works oh yeah (laughs) this was an awesome question thank you Carlos Beltran was a player on the 2017 Astros the garbage can sign stealing Astros Carlos Beltran was the manager of the New York Mets you may not remember because he ended up not managing a game but he was hired by the previous owners he was the manager then Rob Manford came out with his report about what happened in 2017. That's when he gave immunity to all of the players on the Astros, and he did that because the union agreed, because otherwise the players wouldn't talk. So for everyone who's upset with Rob Manford or the Astros or the players, just know that was a deal between management and union because both sides had an interest in finding out exactly what happened because there were plenty of players in the union who were angry having thought that they lost like the Yankees thought or like the Dodgers thought, because the Astros were cheating above and beyond what is normally acceptable cheating. So Carlos Beltran spoke with the league. He did not get in trouble. He was a player at the time. He was named in the report. And as you recall, after that report, the Astros fired their GM, who was never going to be back in baseball because he never will be. He was very much not liked And I don't mean personally, just professionally by anybody in the game. You had A.J. Hinch, the manager, get fired. And he sat out and got suspended for a year and then came back. He now manages the Tigers. You had Alex Cora, who was the bench coach. He was coaching and managing the Red Sox when this happened. The Red Sox fired him. They did an interim manager. He served his suspension. And Alex Cora is back managing. The only one who has not made it back is Carlos Beltran because the Mets were then forced to fire him and the Mets have moved on and now have Buck Showalter. So Beltran is now a broadcaster for the Yankees. He's going to do some studio stuff, may call a game, whatever he's going to do, working for the Yes Network. A common misunderstanding with the Yes Network, they are not a fully-owned subsidiary of the Yankees. The Yankees actually own less less of Yes Network than you would think a much smaller percentage. They've sold off a bunch of it. They cashed in a bunch of it in order to pay down some of their debt. So they do not have the control that you would think. But anyway, Carlos Beltran was a Yankee and he was an assistant and now he is a broadcaster. So he gave an interview. And the interview was very bizarre because he said some things that generally you wouldn't expect a player to say, but boy, are they true. He was trying to say that The entire fault of cheating was because of our manager and our general manager and our owners. He was totally pointing the fingers at the front office, which is not wise if you're trying to be a manager again, which I think Carlos Beltran's trying to be, but hanging out your management to dry by saying, we never got a memo. We didn't know we couldn't do this. He actually said, why would we ever stop doing something that's working? The actual quote was, a lot of people asked, they always ask, why didn't you stop it? And my answer is, I didn't stop it the same way no one stopped it, talking about all the cheating going on around baseball. This is working for us. Why are you going to stop something that is working for you? Does that not sum up everything you've heard on Nothing Personal? Anytime you ask about whether or not it was just the Astros, and I assure you that careful, of, remember the Robert Kraft glass houses from earlier in the show? Be very careful. You saw a certain number of players being all high and mighty, including Aaron Judge of the Yankees. That's quite uncomfortable. But he came out and said, don't worry, I'm totally fine with Carlos because he gave me some good batting tips. But there were a bunch of players saying it's not real. Their championship, Brian Cashman, came out and said, we actually should be looked at as having beaten the Astros in 2017. And Beltran just came out and said, I didn't stop it the same way no one stopped it. Do you think he was referring to the other players? Do you think he was referring to the front office? Do you think he was referring to just the Astros? It is incredibly unlikely because that could have been a double or triple entendre, he was obviously referring to the reality that no one was stopping it anywhere. The Yankees had been warned by baseball by using Apple Watches. The Red Sox had been warned for using Apple Watches and other such technology. That's the whole issue with the Yankees hiding this letter, this letter that is about to be unsealed. No one wants to know or have anybody else know when there's cheating going on but everybody's doing it. Does this sound familiar to anybody? Like steroids? Hey, no one told us to stop it. People were excited with the home runs. People seem to just keep acne cream around and we're okay. Buy bigger uniforms. He's right. No one's ever going to stop it. No one stopped it now. But Beltran had to be the talking piece of this Astros situation five years later. He was asked whether he thought the 2017 championship was stained. One of the most common questions asked of anyone in that era, and it is five years ago already, and he said, yeah, there is, because you know what we did, and we've all taken responsibility, and at some point, we've all shown remorse about what we did, blah, blah, blah. Think Carlos Correa, Jose Altuve, You think they actually show remorse? They look themselves in the mirror. They've got a ring. They are world champions. The other teams are spoiled sports for not having been as good as the Astros. That's it. Someone asked me whether or not Beltran should have even been allowed to speak to the media, should be allowed to say these things. This is coming in an interview that's going to be released today with our friend Michael Kay. And the answer is, There is still interest in this story because fans have long memories. And I know this. You know this. People remember wrongs that have been done 10 years ago, 15 years ago. And with the InterGoogle now, all you have to do is do a quick search. Top 10 worst trades in history. Top 5 worst signings. Everyone's got a top 5 list. Top 5 people most impacted by the Astros cheating scandal. Everyone's got a list. Now, what role would the front office play in this? The front office, as you recall, got a letter from MLB saying sign stealing is not allowed, use of video rooms not allowed, don't hit garbage cans, etc. And it was incumbent on the front office to tell the players. Major League Baseball wants you to believe that there are front offices in baseball who got this memo and hey, they may not have gone down to the clubhouse to talk about it. It is so wrong that it makes me smile. The front office is in the clubhouse every single day. Don't let GMs or presidents or owners tell you they're not around clubhouses. Oh, we leave the clubhouses to the players. We never step into clubhouses. Every one of them is in the clubhouse every single day. Memos come from baseball all the time on all different subjects that impact on the field. We meet with our manager every day. The manager meets with his players, not a team meeting, but one-on-one, he meets with his coaches. There is communication constantly between the front office and the clubhouse, between coaches and players, front office and players, front office and coaches, front office to owner, every single day. Are there owners who don't call their GMs every day? Maybe two out of 30, at most. Are there owners who don't speak to their manager every day? Maybe eight out of 30. Are there presidents and GMs who don't go into the clubhouse every day? Zero out of 30. Now, it could be an assistant general manager, president's traveling or the GM's traveling or doing a family vacation, whatever they're doing. There is somebody from the front office so carlos beltran saying yeah man you know we're gonna keep going the front office didn't tell us not to do it yeah the front office didn't tell you we don't tell our players a bunch of stuff we talk to our players about amphetamines and about steroids and we talk to them about cocaine i've never told my players not to do crack i would hope that they would just know that i've never told my players not to kill anybody I've talked to them about sexual assault for sure. Drinking and driving, you bet your ass. Have I ever sat down and said to a player, you know, I'd prefer you not to kill somebody. Nope, never done that. So I'm just thinking that players wait for front offices to say things and then I realize what it's like. And then I realized, wait a minute, I get it. Have you ever been around kids and kids do something that they know is wrong, but they look left, they look right. They look at the person over their right shoulder they look to see if they can copy an answer they look around no one's looking that's called cheating no one's looking we can do it and then a teacher or a parent or somebody they're just too tired they don't want to be bothered they look they see the the, the eyes going around and they're like ah oh, then it's a whole thing i'm gonna to have to report it then i'm gonna have and i'm not impugning the job that teachers do or that parents do but there are myriad things that happen during the course of a day during the course of a week a month a life where you do not explicitly state hey don't do that but it is implicitly known by the doer to not be doing it i just think it's a terrible excuse it's very childlike okay a couple updates for you before we go to break quickly here coca number one I appreciate someone who reached out on Twitter. Someone said, listening to today's show, and that was Friday, just wanted to, or the day before maybe, just wanted to point out a correction. When I make a mistake and Coca doesn't catch it and I don't catch it, please correct me. Because I promise you, I will correct it. When I talked about the 2017 Astros the last time I did, I thought Garrett Cole of the Yankees was on that team, and I'm wrong. He became an Astro in 2018. He was actually still a Pirate. So thank you for that. The second thing that is going on with the Yankees that I just want to quickly get to, Coco, because it's too good, is this appeal situation, this letter, this sign-stealing letter. If you haven't read about it in 30 seconds or less, there was a lawsuit brought, believe it or not, by people who played fantasy who said, we lost money because the Astros cheated, so we want our money back. We're suing DraftKings, let's say. And the judge threw out a bunch of parts of that suit, but parts of that are still going on and MLB was forced to produce documents as part of the lawsuit because they were named in it. One of the documents they produced was this letter that MLB wrote to the Yankees in 2017, ostensibly saying, by the way, you've been cheating too, so stop it. But the letter was sealed. Now a judge decided that that letter need not be sealed and I covered that on a recent episode and the Yankees had 14 days to appeal that decision. And I did not think they would appeal it. It made no sense to me that they would appeal it. But in fact, they did. What an appeal means, and they're at the level right below the US Supreme Court. They're at the circuit court, the second circuit. That is major, there's 13 circuits. They appealed it, they're in front of 13 people, basically, 13 circuits. They're trying to get a new hearing meaning they're trying so hard to get this letter to be kept hidden it is very unlikely they're going to prevail and then they have to decide if they're going to go to the all the way to the supreme court but the supreme court actually has to grant them a hearing you don't just get to appeal to the supreme court you appeal to the supreme court to appeal to the supreme court And the fact of the matter is, there is no public good that is being served by keeping this letter hidden. Randy Levine, the president of the Yankees, tried to convince the court, well, it's a huge problem if you open this letter because it enables plaintiffs to have wide scopes of discovery going forward. There was no reason for this letter to be turned over. MLB made a mistake in giving the letter to begin with, so the court has to reverse the mistake, give the letter back, not let anyone see it. It's a losing argument. If the Yankees are embarrassed about what's in the letter, then just once the letter's released, get a statement. Get some PR people and say, hey, this is why we didn't want the letter out. See, there's nothing in the letter about cheating. We just didn't want it to be out because it's a legal issue. (laughs) Or if there is cheating in the letter, then you say, hey, it was all about the legal issue. However, what's contained in that letter is also not true. So you can spin it anyway." So I'll give you a wait-to-see here, Coca, because we got a few of them. The Yankees appealed to the Second Circuit to keep this letter sealed. They're going to lose the appeal. And then they're going to try to appeal to the Supreme Court. Not. The way to see is only that they will lose the appeal. Okay, when we come back, we're going to review a movie that I had not heard of, and I can't believe how good it was. And then we're going to talk a little baseball with uh, Jacob deGrom and the poor Mets, who now can't find anyone other than Coca to start opening day. Just kidding. They have crisp acid. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting Find a location near you at Bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's a Monday, April 4th. My name's David Sampson. Here with Matthew Coca producing this show for the last 569 episodes. It's episode 569, Coca. That is a momentous episode. Thank you for rating, reviewing, following, all the things you're doing. Tell your friends about us. We're having fun. I watch a movie every day, and I get movies. I I get movies suggested by you. I get movies when I turn on streaming services. I get movies around Oscar time. I watched a movie called Red Rocket. I believe I had to pay for this movie. $4.99, $5.99, can't remember what it was. It is about a former porn star before you get too excited it's not a porn movie at all it is a fascinating movie about a former porn star who goes back to his hometown he's down and out and he's trying to figure it all out and he's trying to recapture his glory and he meets someone in this small town and he tries to create a star it is surrounded by his delusion it is the theme song to this movie could have been glory days I did not know going into this movie what a red rocket was. I was taught it this weekend by somebody. Apparently, Coca, did you know what a red rocket was when you saw that we were reviewing this movie? I'm sure you didn't watch it. But do you know what a red rocket is? I thought, oh, is it like a red pocket rocket? Like, what could it be? And the answer is a red rocket has to do with a dog who is ready to go. Now, there is a dog in the movie, but maybe it's referring to porn stars who are ready to go, or he's ready to go, or he wants to go, or he's trying to get someone else to go, and when I say go, I don't mean sex. I mean actually go because he wants to, but can he? He's a bit of a drifter. It's fascinating. It's incredibly well-written, incredibly well-acted. I would not be shocked. I was shocked. I should be shocked. I am shocked that he did not get more play for Best Actor. Check it out. Red Rocket. Okay, Coca, let's get right to what happened with Jacob deGrom. This is sort of significant if you're a Mets fan. Remember we did a show telling you that he has the scapula issue, and everyone was saying, yeah, it's four weeks. And I said, "Eh, it's going to be more than that. He could be not pitching before the all-star break. I never got to give you my wait to see on Jacob deGrom with his stress reaction in the scapula. And I told you, and I assumed, and I said it on CBS HQ, that all of his talk of opting out, Jacob deGrom is in the last year of a deal. He can opt in to more years, a year, I can't remember if it's one more year, two more years, or I think he only has one more year, or he can opt out and become a free agent. Jacob deGrom is 33 years old. Jacob deGrom is injury prone, to say the least, at right and i don't mean injury prone the way i could argue stanton was injury prone when one day it was calf then his hamstring then his hand then he gets hit in the face with the ball all sorts of injuries that i could dismiss as unrelated that's not injury prone in our minds that's just someone who's had bad luck now injury prone in the regular world may mean yeah this guy like stubs his toe and he trips on stuff he's so injury prone but in sports and in baseball, the way I used to use it, when they're not related injuries, then that's just luck. When they are related, then you say that's a tough investment. This player is injury prone. Jacob deGrom is exactly that. There is something with his elbow, his shoulder, forearm. There's always something going on with his throwing shoulder. And we're talking about a pitcher who, when he's pitching, is the best in the game but you can't be the best in the game and start 15 games a year by definition you cannot be an ace and start 15 games you cannot be an ace without pitching 30 games that is the view not just of me but of 30 gms and presidents aces have to be on the mound jacob Degrom will not be on the mound why would someone pay him and the only circumstance i said to you is that could there be a team out there that has such ability to waste money that they would take the chance and actually value Degrom at 60 million so you pay him 60 million or you pay him 30 million to play half a season which means you're really paying him 60 million for a full season that's their value so if you value him at $60 million, you can offer him $40 million a year saying, hey, we think he's only going to pitch two-thirds of a season, but that's still a $40 million value. And your analytics department can go through all the spreadsheets it wants, It can put all the code it wants, and write all the algorithms, do whatever you want. That math doesn't work. There is no scenario where that math works. But in baseball, we've learned there are some desperate owners that you just never know what's going to happen. I still think Jacob DeGrom is not opting out because who would do that? But then I realized I was thinking sort of the low-revenue mentality. And Jacob DeGrom knows something that we don't know. Because this weekend he came out and said, hey, I'm definitely opting out. I was thinking, how does he know that? Does he know for sure he's coming back in four weeks? My way to see he's not going to pitch till the All-Star break. You think he's going to pitch in four weeks? Like May 7th, he's taking the mound. Let's say he doesn't throw for four weeks. That gets you to May 1st. Then you have an MRI. All clean. It's brilliant. It's a dream come true. The stretch re- stress reaction disappeared. And you know what? We're not even going to put him on the, on the, in a bullpen. We're going to start him immediately. I mean, it's, it's crazy. What, is he going to throw 30 pitches without even long tossing? It's at least two to three weeks after that before you pitch in a major league game. Now, the Mets may be so desperate. They may say, no, every, every rehab start will be at the big leagues. Every time he throws a ball, we're going to do it during a game because he's an ace. That could happen. Wait to see. DeGrom is out more than four weeks. He will not start a game until after the All-Star break. Don't worry. They got Max Scherzer. That'll be fine. Max Scherzer came out yesterday and said, oops, my hammy hurts. I know you're paying me $43.3 million bucks, but man, I got a bad hamstring. I'm day to day. It may not be too bad. No, nah, I'm not going to start now. Opening day, coming this Thursday to a theater near you, mm, not sure about that either. <laughs> I was thinking to myself, what is Steve Cohn thinking? Is he saying, like, this is not great? I'm paying DeGrom Gram and are over 70 million bucks and i'm starting chris bassett opening day chris bassett is a great number three starter of a great rotation he's not an opening day caliber starter an ace meaning by the way we started Mark Hendricks in opening day one year. So I'm not saying you have to start an ace every single opening day. I'm saying that Chris Bassett's not that. And for the Mets at $290-plus you you're going to want to have your ace, one of your two aces, who would think that neither one would be available opening day. So this weekend, there were rumors that the Mets were going to make a trade and try to get Chris Paddock. Yes, the same Chris Paddock that we traded to the Padres for Fernando Rodney yes that guy chris paddock who was going to be a superstar who's now on the injured list by the way who has become totally ineffective and is exactly what our baseball people said he was going to be which is a fourth fifth starter at best but likely a fifth sixth starter the mets were going to acquire chris paddock to add to their starting death because they need some starters they're counting on carlos carrasco and walker they were hoping for scherzer and Degrom. They've got Bassett, who they got from Oakland. So the thought was, we'll make that trade. We'll take Eric Hosmer's money, or at least part of it. And then the deal fell apart. It's another example of the excitement that you feel as a fan when your team makes a free agent signing. When Eric Hosmer signed, he left the champion Royals to sign with the Padres. What do you think, Coca? 2017, Eric Hosmer signed? The Padres were looked at. My God, these guys are trying. This is so great. We signed Will Myers. We signed Eric Hosmer. This is before Tatis, et cetera. We've got a great farm system, et cetera. Meanwhile, the Padres have been trying for three years to get rid of that albatross of a contract. You think owners don't pay attention to the number of long-term deals that they are desperate to get out of because they don't work? And then the union wonders... Why teams don't want to sign long-term contracts anymore? Why there's so few of them being signed? Because they don't work. So, the Mets are trying to figure out what to do. But the Oakland A's, they know exactly what they're doing. The Oakland A's have decided to trade almost every member of their team. Thank you. He signed it in 2018, so his first year with the Padres was 18, so he he, they, he left after 17. Thank you. There's a correction. The Oakland A's are making a lot of news because Max Scherzer of the Mets makes more money than the entire A's payroll. By the way, he also makes more money than the Pirates' payroll. He makes more money than the Cleveland Guardians' payroll. He makes more money than the Baltimore Orioles' payroll. A lot of attention being brought to this, what the A's are doing. Corey Seager's making more at $37.5 million than what the payroll is going to be for Oakland. Anthony Rendon, Garrett Cole, Carlos Correa, blah, blah, blah. Why are people so upset about what the Oakland A's are doing? Now, before you say anything, this has nothing to do with me as a Marlin guy, where we would build it up and then break it down, build it up and break it down. Even though I tried to explain to people at the time what we were doing, we just weren't good at it. The Oakland A's are really good at it. Did you know the Oakland A's made the playoffs in 17, 18, 19, and 20? They made the playoffs four years in a row in this most recent window with these players. You know how it works because I've explained it. You go up, you go down. The best teams have the windows where they're not competitive last the shortest period of time. The best teams have the windows where they are competitive last the longest amount of time. But there are teams that go up and down. People complain about the Orioles. Now, their rebuild may not work. The Orioles in the middle teens, what is it, Coca? In the middle teens, they were in the playoffs. That's not that long ago. Now, it's an extended rebuild, I grant you. The Cleveland Indians at the time have had hugely successful teams surrounding the times when they have been down in the bell curve billy bean who had a damn movie made about him because of how smart he is you think for one minute that he wants to read about the fact that he's doing a fire sale that he's got a 30 million dollar payroll no he's doing it because he knows they're not going to win in this division that they're in in the al west right now they were getting too expensive they had to keep the payroll down because then you start building it up again Remember, the A's are trying to get a stadium. Does this seem familiar to anyone when the Marlins cut their payroll down as they were working into a new stadium, then built it up, built it up, and then the new stadium didn't work and they took it down, took it down, then built it up again? That's what the Oakland A's are doing. So you're reading everywhere the outrage. You've got baseball pundits, you've got people in the media, you've got players. This is a disgrace as though the players did this collective bargain agreement and were not aware the teams were still going to rebuild. We said it directly. You've read it in articles by Jason Stark and others. This new collective bargain agreement didn't take away the incentive for smart people to be smart. Smart people always wanna be smart. You think there'd ever be an agreement where there's a premium on stupidity? It's the opposite. Everyone in baseball wants to be intellectually superior They all feel they are, not everyone can be. They all wanna be superior on the field as well. There is a badge of honor of building a winner with a low payroll. There is a document that has number of dollars per victory. You wanna be at the head of that list. Owners look at that document. That's called value. Every business is looking for value. Getting the most out of the least. The most revenue for the least expenses. We've said it. So please stop getting all over the Oakland A's and just know that they know what they're doing. Now, do the Padres know what they're doing? That is a far, far better question. The Padres have some starting pitching depth. They've got a payroll that's in the top four in all of baseball in a market that does not have the revenue deserving of being a top four payroll. There is no scenario under which the Padres are making money on an operating basis. The owners are investing right now because they want to beat the Dodgers so badly you have no idea. The competition between the Padres owners and the Dodgers owners, the Dodgers, the Dodgers I just conflated the words, the Dodgers view the Padres sort of like a little brother who's hanging on your ankle like Jeff Van Gundy on Alonzo Morning. That's how the Dodgers view the Padres. The Padres are the people who are right there. They're, they're not quite of age to get into the room where stuff's happening, but they're tall enough that they can see through the window. And so they're sort of standing on their tiptoes, and you just see the tops of their eyes, and they're looking down and saying, Oh, my God, I want to get right there. I want that. Bring me all the players Bring me, you're tired, you're hungry, you're overpaid, I'm in. They got a great guy from Oakland, Sean Minaya. By the way, Oakland would be thrilled for the Dodgers not to win. I can't tell you how much teams want the Dodgers not to win. All teams want the Dodgers not to win. I'm sorry to Dodgers fans. The ultimate revenge is just win, baby. So the Padres have this plethora of starting pitching. They're a little short in the outfield. The Padres probably took Manaya because then they want to trade one of their existing starters. Could it be Darvish? Could it be Snell? Could it be Paddock? Who knows? But the Padres are going to make another move. Okay, nothing personal pick of the day. We split the weekend. You know, Coca told me stop t- going against the Pistons. They're 18-3 against the spread. This NBA season's about to be over. We're about to get into playoffs. So none of this other crappy picks, Thunder plus four at home. The Pistons crushed them. So we lost that one. But I told you, for all the Duke people out there, I'm sorry, but I told you North Carolina would cover, and they did. They won the damn game. North Carolina ended Mike Krzyzewski's career. That was a game so rare that a game with all that hype actually lives up to it, and it was a great game from start to finish. So we split. We are 38-29. and 29. Tonight is the national championship. My guy, Hubert Davis and North Carolina, my guy, he was on the 94 Knicks. First-round pick by the Knicks. Great three-point shooter. Just loved. He was always so calm, and I just loved having him on our team. I think he wore number 44 as a Nick, as I recall. He has a chance to win a national championship going against Kansas. The problem is, Kansas, the way they looked against Villanova, oy, they looked almost professional. Now, North Carolina is good, but they look like a college team to me. I'm taking Kansas to win the championship tonight. The nothing personal pool ends tonight. There are, There's one of you rooting for Kansas. There's one of you rooting for North Carolina and the rest of us just downright stink. But I don't know how Coca did in the pool and Coca refuses to look until it's done. So he'll look tonight. If you ended up beating Coca in the nothing personal bracket pool on cbssports.com, you will be entered into a raffle and we're going to send you a prize if you win the whole damn thing cbs has given you like ten dollars towards paramount plus which gives you a free four days but you're also going to get something from me that's pretty cool kansas minus four and a half and you will see them celebrate and that will be the end of college basketball as a reminder if you finish last in this pool And I believe I have a chance to actually finish last. But if you finish last, you have to have filled out a bracket, of course. But if you finish last, you also get a prize. So tomorrow, we're going to name some winners. Get ready. We'll be back to talk about everything else that's going on. Because on this show, we're here every day for 45 minutes, no matter what. It's just business. This has been Nothing Personal.